Thank you for tuning into this episode of Question This Life. You can listen to the podcast at questionthislife.com as well as all of the main podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, subscribe and get involved. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into the show again. Great to have you here. If you've listened to the show before, thanks for coming back. You know, I had a really interesting time looking at the statistics for the show this week because out of nowhere, there's a whole bunch of listeners tuning in from France, which is absolutely awesome. Um, it's it's so cool that you're listening. Did a lot of French in my school years, but um, honestly speaking, since moving to Germany. I feel like when I moved to Germany, I had zero German at all. Like I couldn't speak a single word of German when I first moved here. And the only thing that would happen when I tried to speak was a French word would come out, you know, like some, I would be making these associations with French, um, which I learned at school. And I also speak Spanish natively. So I speak English and Spanish natively. And then I had a, what I thought was a school level of French. But I really quickly realized I don't remember any of the French words because I was terrible when I first was uh, trying to do the association between German and French. Really awful. And then as soon as I learned any German, um, I've become sort of conversationally fluent now in German, there's absolutely no French left in my brain. It's almost all gone. It's terrifying. I was really quite good at it. I used to get A's all the way until I was 18. I did it all the way through school. And somehow, if you, if you don't keep that learned language active, you just lose it. So it was a, 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 a goal of mine earlier this year to get back into French and I was being really good with it, but I slipped a little bit and I will get back on that horse because I really want to be able to speak French again. And what better way to, to do that than just, you know, chipping away at it, doing it some light way, little bit of Duolingo or something like that but yeah it's just hard to kind of like keep on it and the thing that I found so easy about learning German was not not that it was an easy language to learn but just the fact that when you live in a, in a country where most of the people who you speak to their first language is German then it won't take you long to learn German especially if a lot of them do comprehend English you can start in the broken German that you've got and then usually find a way to find a middle point between the two of you. Um, I've found also a lot of people are very, very encouraging and willing to help you if you start speaking to them in German. They're so bored of that classic, oh my God, do you speak English? As soon as they've said anything, you know, that, that is quite frustrating. If you're in your country of residence, of birth, you've been here your whole life, and then you say something in your language to someone who's come to you for your service, for whatever it is, if you're in a shop or you're in the post office or something, and then you say to them something very simple and they, they look at you blankly and say, do you speak this other language that's not of this uh, country? You would find that quite jarring probably, no matter who you are, no matter where you, you live. And if it, if it happened like 10 times a day, every day for five, 10 years, then you would really start to resent those people. And, and this is kind of something that I, I've seen, oh, can hear my cat meowing a lot from the other room. Oh, I need to go.
bring them in, because if not, they're going to meow the whole time. You are not meant to be up there, man. Come on. Come on, come on. So, sorry about that. I had to uh, go and uh, play with the cat a little bit, because it was meowing so much from the other room. And uh, I was just saying that living in a country, it's well worth just learning that first, even the basic part of the language, just so you can get by, just so that you can order things and converse and be polite and be thankful and ask for help and present your case and, you know, just sort of live a relatively normal life. People will know that you can't speak it natively. They pick that up immediately. Sometimes they'll just switch to the language that you speak if they speak it. But very often, even the people who can speak English you can see that, you can sense it, that they're doing it through gritted teeth. They're not, they're not happy about the fact that they've got to do it. And you're making them do it. If you have no, op no option, no ability to understand any of their native language. So essentially, the point of it all is, I'm really grateful that there's so many cool um, listeners tuning in. And now a lot of people from France, a lot of people from Germany. And uh, there's really just quite a lot of people listening to the show already and it's very humbling it's very great uh, as your host i'm super super happy and i hope that you guys keep enjoying the show so as always this show is split into two sections the first section is catching up with your host me and the second section is something a little bit more on the alternative esoteric side and this week, I'm going to give you the little recap on the week that's gone by just now. And in the second part, we'll be talking about a few topics at a high level from within the lucid dreaming, dreaming world again in this episode. And the things that we're going to be covering are nightmares, sleep paralysis, out-of-body experiences, and false awakenings. And if you want to be able to go straight to part two, all you need to do is read the show notes and you can see the timestamp for when part two starts. Um, talking about this uh, lucid dreaming and the other topics just mentioned. So at the moment, things are good. Um, the week has been a good one. It's been a busy one. Obviously, um, as you know, I'm still doing the regular clubhouse shows. There are no live events in the city within which I live at the moment still. So uh, the clubhouse situation has basically covered that for now and it has been really good. It's still progressing. Um, I'm doing on average one show per night, um, sometimes two, sometimes uh, less. And it's, it's still uh, providing a really good release in this time with no events where you can still have the feel of being in a comedy show, hosting a comedy show, um, entertaining people, hanging out with other comedians, other interesting people with interesting opinions and um, histories and points of view. And uh, it's been really great. I've also had a, a little breadcrumb, like, a, like we say in the show, there's occasionally these things just kind of happen in your life and you see them over and over again and you start to pick up these signs that kind of point you in different directions. And I'm hearing a lot about this uh, scene at the moment in Barcelona. The stand-up comedy scene there is apparently alive and well. They have a certain amount of hours per day that they can do shows. So that's a very attractive option at the moment. And I can totally foresee... I was thinking about doing some kind of a trip, maybe just a week or a couple of weeks, to go and check out some shows and see what the vibe is over there. And then I've also heard someone who wasn't in the comedy scene, who's just a friend of mine who I used to live with. And uh, he basically said to me, 
I'm going to go celebrate my 30th in Barcelona. Are you keen? We're going to get a big villa and uh, you're more than welcome to, to, to chip in on the dates. And I was like, wow, this is like quite a few different times that I've been kind of pointed towards doing this trip to Barcelona. So before I do any of that, I have to go and see my family. Um, it's been a really long time since I've seen anyone my, in my immediate family. It's been a year and a half which is a lot longer than um, it has been in the recent past. And there's definitely an effect there, you know, because it's your, your rock, your, your people, the ones who are there no matter what, for better or worse, you know, you've got your, your good times and your bad times and your good memories and your bad memories. And it's all just one big ball of your history <laughs> with these other people. And in my position, I'm very lucky because the undercurrent is love and compassion and care. And everyone has that uh, in their heart of hearts. You know, I'm very lucky in my um, immediate family. Although there have been, of course, a lot of um, ups and downs, as you would say. But I miss them. I miss them a lot. And I really want to see them again. And I feel like I need to kind of do that soon just to sort of center the compass again, just figure out everything, recalibrate, take stock on the last couple of years, um, living away from home and just, you know, talk to them, get their wisdom, share my experiences and essentially just, re like I said, recalibrate, recenter the compass, figure out the next steps and uh, would be really cool, would be really cool. So. That's kind of like the big things going on in my life right now. I'm waiting for some um, official things to happen just regarding residencies and permits and all that kind of stuff. And you know what it's like right now with the traveling and everything. So um, it's not set in stone, but it's something I'm working on. And no matter what happens, no matter where I am, there will definitely still be a weekly episode. You can expect that every week. And I've got also some update... Uh, there may be times when there's more than one show per week coming up because I, I'm realizing that I really, really value this uh, podcast, this show, the the release for this sort of creative energy, creating this um, chilled conversation platform where we can discuss ideas and have a good time and keep things uh, real, but also lighthearted. And in general, I feel from this community and other communities that might have an interest in discussing a lot of the topics that I've been talking about so far and other topics that I will be posting in the next few weeks. So there's big things happening on the show and uh, please stay tuned in for how the next um, few weeks, few months kind of unfolds. There's a, there's a whole load of um, options available in terms of video content and a few other um, types of content and material that I'm working on at the moment. So I spoke last week about the little kitties. Um, one of them was sick. Uh, he had a uh, infection on his foot, which meant that he had to have one of those little cones wrapped around his neck for a week. The first day was pretty rough, you know, he was... Um, you know, bouncing around and knocking into things and kind of like completely confused, like, what is this thing? He kind of was in this perpetual state of walking backwards. He's like, like almost trying to like back out of a hole or something, which is really sweet. But essentially he's fine again. He's sitting on my lap right now. He had the cone on for a week and then I was able to take it off. And um, he's 
they're so clever. They're so interesting. He had the cone thing on his neck, and it's it's only wrapped um, like quite loosely around his neck by this uh, piece of gauze, and he managed to learn in a couple of days that if he licked the cone enough, it would make it spin and expose the bottom part, which has the the opening for how it's clipped together and the beginning of the gauze, the knot of the gauze. And then over a couple of days, he sort of slowly worked on that and, and was just gnawing away at it. And any time that I saw him, I would kind of put it back to the top. I was just thinking, God, it's weird that this thing keeps rotating. And then I realized that it's him that's actually doing it. He's like, figured out if I lick this thing 100 times in this direction, this other thing appears in front of me and then I can work on that. And their, their brains just seem to be like a, a process machine. It's just like some learned behaviors and then just process, process, process input output what doing something getting a return i mean is that much different to a human brain or a human um uh hierarchy of needs and desires and wills maybe but it's definitely just an interesting thing to to watch and to watch it unfold um speaking of unfolding i just unfolded a, a new toy that i got the cats um it's this thing where it's like it's a a velcro pad, a velcro velcro pad essentially, cut into a square, and then you've got this the alternative velcro um, on the other side, like flipped up upside down, and that's got loads of holes in it. So you can kind of like create these little tunnels and stuff using these two mats, and they absolutely love that because it's it's all of the things that they like. It's something that they can scratch. It's something they can go into the holes. It's something they can hide under. It's soft so they can sit on top of it. They play with each other on it. They play alone on it. They just kind of chill on it. It's perfect. It's a godsend. It was like 20 bucks and it's just like another thing to keep the um, the cats entertained because that's what they need to do basically. They need to play and they need to learn and experiment and do stuff. And uh, you know, you're only limited to the area within which you live. So. Um, that's definitely been a really, really good purchase. And another thing I've, that's been on my mind, especially this last few weeks, is it really is, I've spoken about it a lot, that, that missing uh, being on stage and performing in front of people and doing the actual normal shows and so on is a huge hole right now in um, my identity and my goals and my life. Um, because you know that's 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 the thing that I'm really really into, and the comedy just pips it, but the jujitsu jujitsu really is that training is the one thing. As someone who's has always been a little bit heavy, has always been uh, at sometimes very very heavy and at other times a bit more normal. Right now, I'm definitely I've put on a little bit of weight, a little bit of extra fat, and I'm missing that training so much. It's such a good workout. It's such a good release for your mental energy, your physical energy. I feel more balanced, more chilled, more relaxed when I'm doing that regularly, even if it's just a couple of times a week, two or three times a week. And mixing that in with every other value and aspect of my life, it creates this sort of new standard by which everything else has to follow because it's so difficult and physically challenging and mentally challenging and hot and sweaty and exhausting and tough 
but also enjoyable and fun and interesting and exciting. It's all of those things at once. And you're in this kind of fight, of fl fight or flight mode often, and you're being humbled and usually, you know, only having small successes or, or small strings of successes that that come in ebbs and flows. And then a lot of it is just getting, you know, put in your place by people who are bigger than you, more experienced than you, more technical than you, um, more, more skin in the game than you, you know. Um, so having that and then just suddenly not having it for six months or however long this has been is a real challenge. And I'm someone who does it on a sort of amateur level. I have done some competitions, but it's not my main shtick. There are people who I know who their lives are performing or martial arts or some kind of sport or some kind of uh, uh, entertainment. And they're really, really struggling right now because there's such a limit on what people can do and how things can pan out right now wishing that those those avenues were still available at the moment or that there could be ways of making them available with you know without upsetting the apple cart too much just using common sense so um yeah it's sort of it's 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 frustrating and um i'm trying to compensate with that by doing a lot of uh, cycling and other kinds of exercise but it's just not the same it's just not the same it's like the clubs clubhouse shows are excellent the zoom shows are excellent i had a really good zoom show the other day but it's just not quite what it should be because it's you you, you don't have that exact immediate live feedback people clocking eyes and sort of seeing how you're doing and all that you know that kind of feeling the 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 internal vibes that are going on with you and the external vibes that are happening in the room and all that tension and all that kind of stuff is is sort of gone and, uh, or at least not gone, it's just hard to replicate. Yeah, gunning to get back to it as soon as it's possible. And I'm really, really hopeful that that will be soon. Although, who knows, essentially, we're all sort of just waiting for updates on this situation. Yeah, so on that note, that's sort of the end of the catching up with the host this week. It's, 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 been, it's been real. We're gonna have a little bit of music now and Coming up after the quick break, we're going to discuss lucid dreaming, sleep paralysis, nightmares, night terrors, and a lot more. So stay tuned. So, welcome to part two, everyone. Thank you for sticking around if you were listening to part one, and thank you for joining us if you skipped from the part one intro and you came here straight to part two. That's awesome. You have that option, and um, it's really great to have you here. So, I'll cover really quickly the fact that in the previous episodes of this show, not the last one, but a few ones before that, I spoke about some very intense... Um, lucid dreaming experiences that I had, as well as a whole bunch of uh, in information and basic insight and deeper insights. A lot of them that are built from understandings learned 
by the likes of Robert Wagner and other internet-based lucid dreaming experts and dream experts who have um, whose expertise I've drawn on um, in my personal journeys with these phenomenon. And uh, I discussed a couple of situations. I, I discussed the, the way of actually becoming lucid, those triggers to make you have the lucid moment when you're dreaming. Um, also some things that you can do, some things that, options that you have, experiences that I've had based on um, these different avenues that you can use to speak to characters, to understand um, a little bit more about the structure of the dream and how it's come together and what you can learn from it particularly. So if you're interested in any of that stuff, um, then I would highly suggest that you go and listen to the other Lucid Dreaming episodes of this uh, podcast. That which are in, of course, the numerical order. It's just a couple of episodes ago. And then there was a, a further podcast where I spoke about uh, dream yoga and a few other um, very, very unusual but intriguing and, um, you know, incredibly deep subjects where you can essentially use these triggers and so on in your lucid dream in order to create a meditative state or yoga state or kundalini energy state, whatever you want to call it, within the lucid dream, which you feel not only in the lucid dream, but also in your physical body. It, I had one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had um, not long ago with this technique. So um, if, you're, if that sounds interesting to you, then definitely go back a couple of episodes as well and um, listen to that episode because it's a doozy. So have a, a good time listening to that. And, um, you know, I hope that these personal experiences and the things that I'm doing and updating on on a regular basis are, um, you know, ringing true with you and maybe sparking some curiosity and some interest in other people. That would be awesome. So, um, yeah, this week, essentially, I'm going to um, speak a little bit specifically about the kind of negative sides of the dream and lucid dreaming world, or at least the perceived negative sides. Um, so essentially, let's put a little bit of a context in here. I mentioned this before when I've spoken about dreams and so on, that when you are a kid, you are much more in tune with your dreams and your, and your dream worlds and the things that happen when you're dreaming. You remember them more. You're, you're sort of like forced to integrate them in your life because you don't know, um, you know, you don't have such a firm grounding in what's, what's the waking human part and what's the dreaming part. They kind of just mix together. So you'll often find if you speak to um, your kids, I've had conversations with my um, niece, my niece um, when she was very young, we spoke about her dreams and so on. And there was a lot of parallels that I remember from when I was very young, um, you know, this Essentially, I had some really bad uh, night terrors, um, nightmares growing up. And it was, you know, something that really kind of plagued me. I would say that for a period of, I'm not exaggerating, maybe 10 years, I was terrified of going to sleep, terrified of um, that whole period of time, that going to bed time. You know, you're alone, isolated, it's usually dark. It's usually very quiet and you're basically just subject to your thoughts and your dreams. And when you start to go in like a spell of like bad ones, then you can really get yourself in a rut where you have kind of created the foundation within which you will have an anxiety filled, horrible, terrible nightmare dream. 
And then because you're worried about it, that's the thing that's actually created that context. So you have the dream and then you wake up in a panic and you're like, oh my God, this is awful, I hate it. And then it just perpetuates and it becomes worse and worse and worse. It's really quite easy, but it was easy for me to go into this really bad cycle. Um, and then there's a whole load of knock-on effects. You know, you, 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 I think that is the route to then feeling afraid of the dark, feeling afraid of being alone, feeling afraid of the, the, the room, the doors being closed, the doors being open. You know what I mean? Like there's a thousand things that, that can knock on from this essentially base level, which is having a nightmare uh, regularly when you're a kid. Like you're so impressionable, it's so intense. You don't know anything about, you know, the, the, the different emotions that you're going to feel as you're growing up and when you become an adult and this whole this whole life that's ahead of you, you all you have is are these you know your, your childhood memories the, the, that are like that's all you've got and then you've got these intense intense experiences that are happening every single night sometimes they're really really good sometimes they feel really really bad and that's essentially your life so no wonder it's no wonder it's quite hard as a um, you know as a phenomenon as a challenge for some kids to to get over the, their nightmares and their night terrors and stuff. So when I got into this um, lucid dreaming world through Robert Wagner and his work online um, and his books, um, I was quite um, um, intrigued, I would say. Yeah, intrigued is a good word for um, about this concept that he had mentioned where you can use the lucid dream triggers to change a nightmare from a nightmare into a good dream or into a sort of neutral lucid dream space or even to wake up if you don't want to if you want to just go straight from the nightmare to waking up once you kind of make that connection between what the nightmare is and what all those other things are practically speaking then you you can basically just put the the dread and the fear and the negative feelings you can compartmentalize them and just sort of accept them for what they are. And then they, it doesn't become this kind of perpetual state of it just keep, keeping happening, keeping happening every single night. So one of the things that you can do, and this is something that I had really great success with early on when I was doing the lucid dreams, was when you have a nightmare, whatever the thing is that's happening in the nightmare that you're afraid of, first of all, be as confrontational as you can with it. Don't run away from it. Don't get yourself in the mindset to think, oh my God, there's this thing, it's chasing me. Or, you know, there's like this really eerie, dark energy behind a door and you can just see these like beams of light coming out from behind the door and you're like, oh my God, this thing is behind the door. And then you, you might think, turn around and run away. Because the minute you think that, the dream starts to morph itself into your worst nightmare. It's literally that feeling exacerbated. You're basically f adding fuel to the fire and burning it, and 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 then you're and then of course we wake up surprised that it was such a oh my god I had the most awful nightmare. It was the worst thing I've ever experienced. Well, no wonder because that's essentially what your mindset was taking you down this this horrible road this like terrible um story that's playing out and then not only that it's very personal to you so suddenly there'll be family members involved or like an old teacher or an old friend you haven't spoken to in 20 years or some kind of weird morsel of your memory or your life experience will just drop itself in there either as a symbolic uh you know breadcrumb for you to follow or something that you need to learn or to, to think about or it could just be something random just to try and trip you up just to make this event feel worse or feel more um, negative 
that was kind of my experience of how nightmares unravel and it really matches up with the way that um, Robert Wagner and a couple of other experts speak about nightmares. So the trigger that I found is really useful to use is you confront the thing, whatever it is, you just literally open that door, you, you find the strength in the dream as soon as you're feeling those feelings to just open the door. It might sound far-fetched but if you're already in a lucid state and you've done the triggers and you realize you're in a lucid dream, it becomes a nightmare. That's how you can kind of like overcome that, that, that challenge. But if you're just feeling it, you have to kind of, I would, I would argue you should probably get into the lucid dream trigger things first, try to become lucid first. But definitely, at least just try this, when you're feeling those feelings of a nightmare, just try your best to really go towards the thing that's causing the bad feeling, whether it's this monster that's chasing you or the thing behind the door or the darkness at the end of the hole, whatever it is, just go there and confront it. And usually, when you confront it, you have this kind of moment where you're equal to it. It's no longer this horrible, dark, deep, you know, pit of dread that was consuming you before in the story. You become this thing that's facing this other thing. And then at that point, if you extend some form of like positivity or some form uh, like a, a sign that you're not here to fight or to kill or to, or to be killed or to be ruined by this, this feeling or to, to battle it to the death, like you, if you don't come with that energy and you say something or you act in a way or you say something, this is exactly what I said. This was a piece of advice that I was given and it worked for me to say, let's be friends. You say that to this evil energy, this evil whatever thing, let, let's be friends. Why are you chasing me? Leave me alone. What's going on? You ask them that these very kind of like not negative, not intense questions. Then often they'll either just fade away or disappear or morph into something that you're not scared of or um, just kind of disappear. Or once or twice I've had it where I've, I had a scenario where I was dreading this um, this dream, this kind of like recurring dream. And it was, uh, you know, like a dark room with a, the silhouette of someone in the middle of the room. And I was looking at it and then the silhouette is like slightly turning and kind of like, you can see like some a face starting to appear. And almost like before we're locking our eyes or before I'm able to actually see it, I turn around and run away, I'm freaking out. And then I feel like I've, I've got like a sniper on me or I'm, I'm, I'm being watched or there's this like horrible energy. But really it's, it's not that at all. That's just the terrible story that my, night, my nightmare is building for me in a way. So I had that, that recurring dream a lot. I heard about this advice and I said to that thing, let's just be friends. And the energy of the whole dream changed. It became, it went from this kind of like eerie, dark grays and stuff to this sort of like calm, relaxed, like blue hue, you know, like a, like a, a dawn, um, you know, like a, a sunrise, that all those kind of colors in the sky, like it, it just became this really like sheer, calm, relaxed, place and whatever the character was that was this evil nightmare witch demon thing whatever whatever that is whatever that is for me in this dream whatever that thing was that was tormenting me just morphed into this like kind of white blob of nothingness and then just, just disappeared just kind of like dissipated I had other dreams where I would get this a lot where I was in the home 
um, one of the houses that I grew up in. And essentially I was like under attack. It was sort of like a combination of from these kind of dark shadowy like figures in a way, but also some kind of characters and faces that I remember from my childhood. Um, and this was in a, a slightly more volatile part of my childhood than others. So I think I have some residual fears that are still permeating within my consciousness, within my body, within my brain, within my spirit, so to say. And they are essentially trying to like present themselves to me saying like, you need to deal with this. You need to like realize that, that these, are, these are there and just sort of like accept them and allow them to, 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 to come in and go. You don't need to be ruled by this, this fear. So it's obviously just like a little morsel, a little like uh, uh, pinch of the fear that I used to feel when I was you know, in, in that time. It was just a, I've spoken about this a little bit on other episodes, it was just a pretty like rough and tumble neighborhood. <laughs> and uh, you, know, you know, you just never really knew what was, what, what could happen. Like things could just kick off quite, quite quickly. There was a lot of like, uh, it's like a little bit of like a fighting culture and people just, you know, trying to act hard and trying to be tough and stuff. And you know, you, it's very, very easy and quick to get dragged into something like that. And you just have to be on your toes the whole time. So I had this kind of like resi residual feeling of like what's going on right now is everything cool are, are we good you know like that's kind of like an energy that I carry around with me I guess to some extent you know and, and partly that's probably a good thing right because you shouldn't just walk around thinking it's all love and light and nothing bad is going to happen because that's also not true that's not how the world works but it's definitely not useful to be to have too high a guard or to, to you know, be too worried that, that everything's just going to kick off. I think th th those nightmares are essentially, in my opinion, fr from what I've learned, they're symbolic representations of the things that you need to tell yourself, that you need to fix. Um, and it's kind of like a mixture of your mind, your memories, things that you've heard, things that you've learned. And whatever, whatever kind of a, a person, whether you're logical, whether you're uh, picture-based, whether you're sound-based, whatever it is that you're, um, you know, your learning technique or, uh, you know, type of personality is and so on, all of that kind of merges into one and becomes this sort of uh, dream world. And, and that's what we're presented with um, in, 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 at nighttime. So um, that, that was a really, really amazing skill um, that I learned is this sort of face the darkness in the nightmare and present them with a silly question or a, a, a very open and calm question to say like, who are you? What are you doing? Leave me alone. Why, why are you chasing me? What's, can't we be friends? What's this all about? And if what's one thing that's interesting is that can't we be friends is something I taught to my little niece. She was five years old. She was having terrible nightmares. And I just said it to her because I thought, what have we got to lose? I've heard this in a, a series of presentations from people who really know what they're talking about. That if you say to a kid who's having nightmares, one of the things you can tell them is to tell the demons and the people that are in their dreams ask them if we can be friends and she said to me the next day she said I did it and then um, we were I was eventually having a tea party with the evil demon <laughs> the, the monster as she was saying so you know if you've got someone if you're someone who suffers from nightmares or night terrors um, then definitely try one of those techniques and uh, um, you know I hope that really helps you as much as it's helped me um, so another thing that I had very often before I started 
recording my dreams and doing all this lucid dreaming work and so on. But this definitely accelerated after I started doing all this stuff is the phenomenon of sleep paralysis. So sleep paralysis, like a lot of these things, has hundreds of different explanations and rationalizations ranging from logical materialist uh, material science determinist viewpoint all the way through to the most um, you know deep and intense esoteric thinking imaginable and all the way in between um, my experience of it was um, never so demonic I didn't have these uh, like intense demonic feelings where you're essentially so the the basic understanding of this phenomenon is practically speaking is you have a what's called a false awakening so you essentially wake up in a dream scenario where you think you're in waking life but actually you're in a dream so your consciousness is lucid and you're awake and you're aware but your um physical body can't move so of course that's a terrifying prospect you kind of wake up on a normal day in the middle of the day you had a nap you wake up and you want to get out of the couch you want to get up and walk away and you can't the panic would start to set in it's the same thing as the nightmare like the panic if you allow the panic in that moment to set in you're only going to exacerbate those feelings and you're only going to feel really um under pressure anxious you might feel some uh some weird kind of mind body disconnect phenomenon and that's just never going to lead to a good outcome. So a lot of people have terrible, terrible things that happen to them from that point on, where they can see horrible demons in their presence in the room, or they can feel energies that like terrorize them for years, or they get stuck in that scenario for what feels like hours or days, and then they can't get up, and then they, they, they wake up in the you know, cold sweat, absolutely ruined and done for the day you know it's, it's something that really has taken its toll on people throughout the ages there's paintings of lucid uh sorry sleep paralysis phenomenon in medieval paintings and paintings from the renaissance and so on that are clearly depicting the, these sort of things that i'm describing and uh essentially i've had i had that a little bit where i i would sort of like half awake half wake up but f feel like i wasn't um able to move physically and I've also had so I've I used to have this uh, phenomenon where I would wake up and then not be able to move and it was a very unusual feeling but usually I would just sort of like wake up normally eventually and kind of move on it, it never it didn't haunt me as much as like normal nightmares but like I said a lot of people struggle with this and they get really really bad um, vibes from it so one thing that I've learned that's really, really useful is the sleep paralysis phenomenon seems to be a gateway into a lucid dreaming situation or at least a dream situation. So it could be that you go down the, the rabbit hole of, oh my God, panic, terrible, and then it, it essentially becomes this horrible nightmare where you're frozen physically but your, your your brain is there and all these things kind of unfold in front of you not good um, or you can in that state just kind of come to your senses essentially realize what it is and just 
not let the panic sit, set in. Just sort of understand that this isn't the waking world. This is clearly a, a, a sleep paralysis situation because normally I can move. I'm totally fine. And then you might even start to realize that the room itself is not perfect. It's not exactly your room. It feels weird. It feels funny. And then you start to realize like, oh, okay, so this is most definitely a dream situation, at least, you know, sleep paralysis, something like that. Now I'm kind of like lucid. I'm coming aware and I'm realizing that the, the, this isn't, a terrible, awful situation. It's just something that's happening. And then you can use the further lucid dreaming techniques to manifest other types of scenarios in this dream. And then before you know it, you can be, you can sort of like picture the scene in your mind where you would like to go and then you'll just find yourself there. Sometimes you'll be able to just naturally start moving again. Other times you need to do these little techniques where you kind of like pull yourself out of your lying down, sleep paralyzed body. You sort of like f uh, picture a ladder above you and you kind of like pull yourself up or a piece of rope and you kind of pull yourself out. And then that's how you can kind of transition from the sleep paralysis world into the lucid dreaming world and other states that come after that, like the deeper, um, you know, conversations with dream characters, the dream yoga, the kundalini stuff, all of that stuff, and you know, stuff that I've not even experienced yet. That I'm, I'm very interested in astral projection and all these other things that um, it's said you can, you can do from the dream state. Um, it's a fascinating topic, and it's, it's as deep as you really want it to go, which is, which is why it's so, so fascinating. Um, so if you are someone who suffers from sleep paralysis, don't fret. There are options out there. There's so many people who are talking about what that is and what, what their opinion is on what that is and how to overcome it, how to change it, what to do about it. So I've given you a few examples here that I've uh, learned from people like Robert Wagner and, and other experts. And I would urge you to just go online and look at all the different sides of things. Look at the scientific side, the people who, um, you know, they, they still think that all of this is created in the brain. Fine. If whatever's practically working works. So if you find that you're a scientifically minded person, deterministically minded person, but you're willing to try this sort of like pulling a rope and getting yourself up and you find success with it, then just go with it. Doesn't, doesn't mean that you, you know, you, you have to change your worldviews or anything. Just try something new. You, it might work and it might, it might help you. It's definitely helped me. And, um, I've not had too many really negative dream experiences since starting all of this work because you're, you're arming yourself with the tools as you're doing it to sort of realize a little bit more about what's going on, or at least have a little bit more awareness of what's going on. It's not necessarily a control thing. It's more just, okay, once in a while I can, I can forget these things, but a lot of the time I'm aware whether this is a dream or a lucid dream or sleep paralysis or a nightmare or a, a, a dream yoga situation. And I can kind of, um, uh, m try to make the best adjustment for the next possible outcome. Um, and sometimes it's also good just to let it flow and just to let it happen. And just, and that's the, that's the technique. Um, but yeah, one thing is, um, the nightmare, the sleep paralysis, you can find a way to pull yourself out of it using some of these techniques and many, many more. Um, so 
Yeah, then there's one other phenomenon that I wanted to talk a little bit about, and this is not one that I know a lot about. This is just going to be essentially me speaking about an experience that I had, um, that I have had a few times, and um, you know, just putting it out there and seeing um, if articulating it will help me at all to kind of understand it. Um, it's something I'm looking for, and I haven't really found a, a sort of specific answer to what what I'm or or a similar experience that's kind of so aligned with this. So essentially, something that I, that has happened a few times is that I'm in this false awakenings moment. So I've kind of woken up, and then I've realized I'm not actually awake. I'm just in this sort of fake, or you know, what's what's fake? It's more like a created scenario, maybe like it's this. Um, lucid dreaming world, either I'm in the paralysis mode and I need to get to the lucid dreaming part, or I'm already in the lucid dreaming part and I'm kind of walking around and think, you know, coming across characters, thinking what to do. Occasionally, I've then also woken up again and again and again and again and had had the feeling that I was actually awake and then realized, oh no, I'm, I'm actually still in the dream and then boom, it happens again and it happens again and it happens again and very often when I'm in that loop it can feel like it happens like 10, 20, 30 times. I, as soon as I'm actually awake or I'm in the lucid dream the one level before becoming awake again, occasionally I'll sort of remember for a few moments, wow that was like 10 or 15 or 20 different levels but what it actually is like how many actually was disappears very quickly you know once you come back from the that that cycle after a few seconds of being in the waking world the actual waking world you're, you realize you're not asleep you're actually in a waking world again that moment is like wow how deep was that how long did that last and it it felt very quick it feels very quick in the aftermath but when it's happening it feels like it's constant it's happening again and again and again and one thing that kind of constantly happens while I'm going through that loop stage of sort of waking up and then realizing I'm not actually awake and then again and again and again and again. One thing that does happen often is I hear a sort of monologue voice, a voice that's kind of just, um, res. it's like a very uh, bassy voice that's just sort of talking. And it doesn't sound, I can't quite hear clear enunciated words that are telling a specific narrative or a story. I haven't tuned into that yet. What I'm hearing is more like a sort of, it's like a someone kind of speaking not, I, I don't want to say randomness because it's not, it sounds like someone who's, it, here's what it sounds like. It sounds like a droning, constant, monotone uh, recital, someone speaking, but it's a language that I don't understand or I'm completely out of tune with. And it just feels like a kind of like a, a rumble that's kind of happening constantly. And sometimes that voice sounds very similar to voices that I hear during the day, like a friend or a partner or a family member or something, but not oft, not always. It's just that there's always a voice and sometimes it's been um, people who I can, you know, recognize their voice. It's almost like that voice has been placed on um, this this monologue. So it's this kind of like monologue that's sort of churning over and over again. And then as I'm kind of waking up on the different levels, but not quite normal waking life, not quite lucid dreaming, I'm just kind of in this endless loop of waking up and uh, not, not being awake again and again and again. Um, 
that voice is kind of just con constantly talking. It's just kind of like so by now that was um, kind of like closest representation of what I can say it sounds like. Um, and I don't know what that is, and I'm very intrigued. There's a lot of stuff that Robert Wagner talks about, Ignore My Cat. Um, there's someone else in the other room with the cat right now, it's all good. Um, there's uh, a, a big part of Robert Wagner's study, which is about the, the, the consciousness and the, real, the, the creator behind the dream. So I'm wondering if this is maybe the first sort of um, bridge that I'm actually hearing between myself and the the framework of the dream itself um, based on the research that, that Robert Wagner has done. You know, if you're clued up on that, you'll understand what I mean by that. Um, or it could just be something else like symbolic, something completely unrelated to this, you know, upper level of control or anything like that. It's more just, um, you know, something else that I need to unpack. Maybe I need to find where the source of it is physically in the dream and kind of go towards it. Maybe really try to tune into it, um, you know, uh, with with my hearing and so on. So I'm working on that. And uh, it's a, that's the kind of like latest um, um, stuff that's been happening with me in this sort of lucid dreaming, dreaming world. And essentially we're coming towards the end of this episode. So we've, it's been a bit rambly. It's been a bit here, there, everywhere. Um, but I just wanted to kind of touch on some of these topics and then I will consistently and constantly go back to these topics because there's, they're so vast. There's so much to talk about. They're so deep. Um, and as you have more experiences and so on, things change, your opinions change, the way that you understand things change, um, the way that you uh, practically do things change. So with that in mind, um, this was essentially a starting point and a little bit more of a, a platform for the, the negative sides of dreams, or at least the perceived negative sides, you know, the nightmares, sleep paralysis, and so on. Um, some things that you can do to not necessarily have to have such bad negative outcomes from those things and to learn more from them and to have other maybe more productive experiences in your dreams. Um, if you so happen to be someone who has had problems with nightmares or sleep paralysis or lucid dreaming or any of these kinds of topics and you get some help from any of the stuff that I'm sharing, that would be awesome. And I highly recommend that you go and listen to and read the stuff um, on the internet from um, Robert Wagner and other lucid dreaming experts. So for now, I just want to say thanks again for tuning in. It's really awesome. You could be anywhere in the world you could be listening to or doing anything and you're here with me so i hope you're enjoying the show keep tuning in and catch you next time thank you for tuning into this episode of question this life You can listen to the podcast at questionthislife.com, as well as all of the main podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and get involved.